Welcome to the worship podcast of Grace Episcopal Church in Newton, Massachusetts for Sunday, November 8th, 2020. I'm Regina Walton, pastor and rector of Grace Church. Wherever you are on your spiritual journey, you are welcome to join us at Grace. Yesterday was our annual diocesan convention, which was held online due to the pandemic. Our Bishop Diocesan, the Right Reverend Alan Gates, has recorded a message of welcome to all the parishes in the diocese, which will preface our Liturgy of the Word today. A reminder that we've now entered hybrid mode, podcasting the Liturgy of the Word, and meeting for a brief in-person outdoor communion service at 1 p.m. on Sundays. It was wonderful to gather once more for the sacrament last Sunday even with snow on the ground. The forecast looks much warmer and drier for this weekend. You may sign up for communion through the parish website or through the podcast email. And now a welcome message from Bishop Gates. Grace and peace to you, people of the Diocese of Massachusetts. Each year, one of the highlights of our life together is the Convention Eucharist, when clergy and lay representatives from every congregation gather for worship as part of our annual diocesan convention. But this year, of course, is not a normal year. Our annual convention yesterday was by necessity virtual. So in place of that convention Eucharist, our Music and Liturgy Commission has provided a set of worship elements for use in our respective congregations a way to bring us together sharing common prayers and music and affirming once again that we belong to one another. This comes, of course, in a week when the vision of belonging to one another as a nation feels like an elusive ideal. Our unity is severely strained. So we come together today to give thanks for yesterday's diocesan convention and the common mission that we share. And we come today together also to offer prayers for our nation, for the continued integrity of our electoral process, for the responsible exercise of power, for peace in our streets, and for a path forward towards reconciliation and justice, which is the truest foundation of any peace. One of the morning prayer collects always speaks deeply to me and perhaps never more so than in this continuing time of pandemic and national anxiety. So I invite you to pray with me. Lord God, almighty and everlasting creator, You have brought us in safety to this new day. Preserve us with your mighty power, that we may not fall into sin nor be overcome by adversity. And in all we do, direct us to the fulfilling of your purpose through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Sabbath day blessings to you.
Blessed be God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And blessed be God's kingdom, now and forever. Amen. Almighty God, to you all hearts are open, all desires known, and from you no secrets are hid. Cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name, through Christ our Lord. Amen. Glory to God in the highest, and peace to his people on earth. Lord God, heavenly King, almighty God and Father, we worship you, we give you thanks, we praise you for your glory. Lord Jesus Christ, holy Son of the God, whose blessed Son came into the world that he might destroy the works of the devil and make us children of God and heirs of eternal life, grant that, having this hope, we may purify ourselves as he is pure, that when he comes again with power and great glory, we may be made like him in his eternal and glorious kingdom, where he lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. A reading from the book of the prophet Amos, chapter 5, verses 18 through 24. Thus says the Lord, the God of hosts, the Lord. Alas, for you who desire the day of the Lord, why do you want the day of the Lord? It is darkness, not light. As if someone fled from a lion and was met by a bear, or went into a house and rested a hand against the wall, and was bitten by a snake. Is not the day of the Lord darkness not light, and gloom with no brightness in it? I hate, I despise your festivals, and I take no delight in your solemn assemblies. Even though you offer me your burnt offerings and green offerings, I will not accept them and the offerings of well-being of your fatted animals I will not look upon. Take away from me the noise of your songs. I will not listen to the melody of your harps. But let justice roll down like waters, and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. Hear what the Spirit is saying to God's people. Thanks be to God. I am poor and needy. 
Come to me speedily, O God. Be pleased, O God, to deliver me. O Lord, make haste to help me. Let those who seek my life be ashamed and altogether dismayed. Let those who take pleasure in my misfortune draw back and be disgraced. Let those who say to me, Aha! and gloat over me turn back, because they are ashamed. Let all who seek you rejoice and be glad in you. Let those who love your salvation say forever, Great is the Lord. But as for me, I am poor and needy. Come to me speedily, O God. You are my helper and my deliverer. O Lord, do not tarry. I am poor and needy. Come to me speedily. This is Beth and Dan Thompson, and this is our gratitude moment. When our family came to Grace in October 2015, we were a newly formed family with our daughters, McKaylin, Aviana, and Madison, having just moved in with us from foster care. While this was a very exciting time for our family filled with the possibilities of our expanded circle, it was also a period of incredible uncertainty and stress for all of us as we got to know each other and the rhythms of our new life to learn about each other, and ultimately to build the familial bonds of unconditional love. Our first Sunday at Grace, it felt like people swooped in and immediately took the kids to Sunday school, enabling Dan and me to have the much-needed reprieve of attending the Sunday service. It was as if the Grace community just knew what our family needed by looking at us, and we cannot remember ever feeling as welcome and cared for in a church as we felt that day and as we have continued to feel at Grace ever since. When we think about Grace, the first word that comes to mind is welcoming. We immediately felt when we entered Grace that we were welcomed, encircled, and carried through this period of turbulence and wonder. Reflecting on all of the milestones over the past five years that have been important to our family, many of them involve Grace. The girls' baptism, marking their adoption with a blessing during the service, the two parish retreats from which we all came away feeling exhilarated and restored with an expanded sense of community, Friday game nights, pancake dinners, Christmas Eve services, connecting with other parents and other members whose talents, wisdom, and compassion have been so freely shared, and for Beth being involved on the vestry, which she has experienced as a very fun and interesting adventure. Words fall short of the gratitude that we feel for Grace and its members. Even as the pandemic has prevented us from all gathering at the church, we have loved connecting remotely with others to figure out how we can move forward together in addressing such broad issues as racism, as well as our immediate pressing concerns about the Tower. 
In the midst of this work, we have felt so proud and grateful for the unbelievable talents of our members and their relentless commitment to the parish and to self-reflection, learning, and action on the path to greater social justice. We believe we truly have something special at Grace. Even in the midst of the worry about addressing these challenges, we have been reminded by others that God is with us and that we are being carried. This is the same way that God carried us when we first came to grace during such a challenging time for our family. This is how we have experienced the presence of God at grace. Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Matthew, chapter 25, verses 1 to 13. Glory to you, Lord Christ. Jesus said, Then the kingdom of heaven will be like this. Ten bridesmaids took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish, and five were wise. When the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them, but the wise took flasks of oil with their lamps. As the bridegroom was delayed, all of them became drowsy and slept. But at midnight there was a shout, Look, here is the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all those bridesmaids got up and trimmed their lamps. The foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise replied, No, there will not be enough for you and for us, 
you had better go to the dealers and buy some for yourselves. And while they went to buy it, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went with him into the wedding banquet, and the door was shut. Later the other bridesmaids came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he replied, Truly I tell you, I do not know you. Keep awake, therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be found acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. In the Gospel reading from Matthew, Jesus tells a parable about waiting. I think that is something we can all relate to this week. Since we are podcasting, I no longer have the luxury of any early Sunday morning sermon revision time, and I am feeling that loss this week especially. On the other hand, I am not a pundit or a commentator or a journalist. My job is to preach the gospel, which does not change, though it has the power to change us. So no matter what happens with the election between the time I record and the time you hear this, this message will still be valid. You don't have to hit refresh on the Word of God, though it can always refresh you. That is a great mercy. Another thing that doesn't change is our job description as Christians. Elsewhere in Matthew Jesus gives a poetic, parabolic summary of that job description, just what it is we are supposed to be doing as his disciples. This is in Matthew 5.14, where he says, You are the light of the world. A city built on a hill cannot be hid. No one, after lighting a lamp, puts it under the bushel basket, but on the lampstand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. We are to be the light, to let our Christ light shine out into the dark places of this world, the light of our loving acts of service, which will glorify our Creator. That's the job. That's what we've signed up for. That's why we have the big paschal candle burning next to the font at baptisms, and why we light a candle from that paschal flame and give it to the newly baptized person, saying, Receive the light of Christ. Here you go, we're saying. You are going to need this. It helps to remember that Jesus said, You are the light of the world, as we approach this sort of strange parable about the bridesmaids and the oil lamps and the delayed bridegroom. Jesus says that this story tells us something about the kingdom of heaven. Ten bridesmaids, five of them wise and five of them foolish. Their job is to greet the bridegroom when he processes from his family's house to the bride's family's house, and then everyone will process together to the place where the wedding party will take place. 
In our day, we wait for the bride. In Bible times, they waited for the bridegroom. In the parable, the groom is late, and everybody has a nap in their formal wear. But then there's a shout that he's coming, which is when the foolish bridesmaids realize that they have no oil for their lamps. They go off to find some, and then they can't get into the reception. They miss the party. The foolish bridesmaids had their lamps, but they forgot the oil. They had the outer vessel, but no inner fuel. They were dressed up like the other bridesmaids, but they failed to do their job, acting as a beacon to the bridegroom. The wise bridesmaids have their lamps and they have their oil and they are prepared to wait. They are ready to go, ready to do their part whenever they are needed. That's the one and only difference between the wise and foolish bridesmaids. The prophet Amos warns about the danger of a religious observance that is all externals, all ceremony, with no internal fire, no light. He says, I hate, I despise your festivals, and I take no delight in your solemn assemblies. Even though you offer me your burnt offerings and grain offerings, I will not accept them. But let justice roll down like waters, and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. Amos, speaking in the voice of God, says, The lamp is worthless without the oil. All the externals of religion, the festivals, the processions, the offerings, the music, without justice, without righteousness, without integrity and truth, without loving kindness, it's all a waste of time. Don't bother with the bridesmaid's dress. Don't bother getting your makeup done and that blowout for your hair if you can't show up ready to shine your light, because that's the job. Jesus gives a little clarity later in Matthew chapter 25 on just what this oil, this fuel, consists of. Once again, he tells a story of a great feast, a great party, and the Son of Man is on his throne, separating people, the scriptures say, as a shepherd separates sheep from goats. And the righteous, the ones who get to stay and party, are the ones who gave food to the hungry, drink to the thirsty, who welcomed the strangers, who gave clothing to the naked, care to the sick, and who visited the prisoners. These righteous are like the wise bridesmaids with their oil, shining their light before others through their good works. These acts of loving kindness, compassion, service, they light up the dark places of this world. This past week, I watched the sermon that our presiding bishop, Michael Curry, preached at the Interfaith Prayer Service at the National Cathedral one week ago. That sermon is on Grace's Facebook page, and I highly recommend it. At one point, Bishop Curry mentions the origin of the Latin motto, E Pluribus Unum, out of many, one. This is the motto on the Great Seal of the United States. And it's from Cicero, the ancient Roman orator, from his work De Officius on duties or obligations, which is a book about the best ways to live. The full quote is this, When each person loves the other as much as himself, it makes one out of many. 
E pluribus unum, out of many, one. That doesn't happen randomly. That doesn't happen by accident. It doesn't happen because people from many lands suddenly start living in the same land. The descendants of indigenous people, the descendants of settlers and colonizers, the descendants of those who were forcibly brought here as enslaved people, and the descendants of waves of immigrants. We can no longer just gloss over the parts of this history that we find difficult or that go against the grand narratives we've been told or sold, the doctrine of discovery and manifest destiny, and that peculiar institution so important for the white Southern way of life, and the melting pot, the Christian nation, and yes, the American dream. If we ever want these states to be truly united in something other than name, we have to question these storylines and ask who they have benefited. How have these tall tales profited me at the expense of another? We have these wonderful founding principles in America. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men, no wait, all people are created equal with liberty and justice for all. We have these values. We have these principles. But we've got some fractured fairy tales mixed in there that we need to excise or maybe exercise before we can truly live out these values and principles and realize a better American dream. E pluribus unum, stamped on a quarter on its own, is like a recipe that leaves out the main ingredient. When each person loves the other as much as himself, it makes one out of many. It doesn't happen without love. It can't happen without love. Without that love of neighbor as yourself that Jesus talked about. You can't have any kind of union or communion without love. We're going to stay on the brink of a second civil war without love, without a rebirth of the common good in our land. The poet W.H. Auden said, We must love one another or die. He was writing in 1939. His words are also apt in this time of pandemic, a pandemic whose spread could be, could be slowed and halted by taking simple precautions on behalf of our neighbors, and especially on behalf of our most vulnerable neighbors. People are getting sick and dying because of a lack of love, a lack of belief in the common good, because of the false belief, the heretical belief, the fake news, that liberty and freedom have nothing to do with obligation and responsibility. Well, they do. You cannot divide liberty from obligation. You cannot divide freedom from responsibility. They are indivisible. We belong to each other. That's what e pluribus unum means. What to do now? Bridesmaids of Grace Church, there's more waiting to come. The bridegroom is late, but he is coming. So get wise and fill up your oil jugs. Nap if you need to. No matter what happens this winter, 
you can bet that there are going to be many opportunities to be the light. That's our job, and it hasn't changed. Shine on. In God's name, amen. Let us affirm our faith in the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, Creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. The Prayers of the People Let us lift our prayers to the Lord. I ask your prayers for the Church around the world, for the Anglican Communion and the Episcopal Church and all its laity, clergy, and bishops. I ask your prayers for this community of Grace Church, that in these challenging times we would live out our values of welcoming, love, belonging, inquiry, wonder, celebration, and service. I ask your prayers for a clear path forward as we work with many partners to remedy the safety issues of Grace's Bell Tower. May God grant us the wisdom to choose a path that honors our history, safeguards our future, and draws us into deeper faithfulness and mission now. We pray with wholehearted trust that God will guide us in each step and meet us in our need. We pray for Grace's vestry, rector, and parish leadership and give thanks for their labor on behalf of our church home. I ask your prayers for our nation. For all those suffering from the coronavirus. For all those who are elderly, have pre-existing conditions, and who lack access to quality medical care. For those who have lost their livelihood due to the pandemic. I ask your prayers for the world, for all people, and for all creation. May our Creator lead us and all people into ways of justice and peace, and awaken in us a desire to live sustainably on this earth. I ask your thanksgivings for all the blessings of this life. For those celebrating birthdays this week, Ellie, Carol, Jose, Jeff, Joan, Gail, 
Chris, and Ken. In our parish cycle of thanksgiving, we give thanks for the men's breakfast, for the fellowship, conviviality, and support it offers the men of our parish. I ask your prayers for those in need, remembering those on our prayer list and those we name aloud now. Carol Robinson May God heal and restore all who suffer in body, mind, or spirit, and make us willing agents of your compassion. I ask your prayers for those who have died, especially Agat Berg, who died in August, Greg Olson, brother of Karen Olson Shannon, Jake Kennedy, and Ruth Ruprecht, and for those we name now. May God comfort those who mourn and bring them peace in their time of loss. Holy God, you have called us to be a source of spiritual restoration and strength. Make us conduits of divine love, following the example of Jesus. Help us to companion the vulnerable, heal division, and confront and dismantle inequality. Give us your grace, now and always. Amen.
The peace of the Lord be always with you. And also with you. Thank you to everyone who contributed to our worship podcast for today. We thank the Grace Church Choir, featuring section leaders Kristen Buavin, Diane Drost, Stephen M., and John Yanis, joined today by Linda Hosfeld. We also thank our music director and organist, Chris Hosfeld. Thank you to our lector, Mary Sweezy, our gratitude reflectors, Beth and Dan Thompson, and our lay reader, Chris Samuels. You can find out more about Grace Church on our website, gracenewton.org. We hope you join us again next week.